0: Welcome to Speaking Out. My name is Jim Watkins. I have some questions about the Chinese balloon that is flying over the Midwest at about 60,000 feet altitude. I just have a couple questions because I just witnessed the report where they had a a lieutenant colonel or, or some spokesperson from the Air Force who was not very forthcoming in explaining exactly how this balloon ended up over the United States from China. It's about the size of three buses, city buses, and uh, it, apparently it is no, posing no immediate threat to the people on the ground. But that's not my question. My question is what is it there for? China says it is a weather balloon, a weather balloon that just happened to drift along. I mean you could see the trail that it that it went along. It went, it went along the Aleutian Islands and then around it circumvented the southern, Uh, region or the southern crest of Anchorage and on down through the Kenai Peninsula then across the Yukon down into Vancouver, BC, then across central, I guess it'd be central Canada, and ended up, uh, of all places, right over Billings where they have uh, a hundred and so nuclear silos. Now, isn't that the strangest thing you've ever heard? I mean, this thing isn't moving at a great speed, so this thing was moving very slowly, Uh, If you think about the physics, what would it take for for something like this to be able to direct from China to Billings, Montana? If it required fuel, that would be a very heavy uh, mass, so that would make it move slowly, but it could only take so much. Is it a drone? Is it battery-driven? Is it solar-powered? And remember now, the, the, the Chinese are saying it's a weather balloon, a weather balloon. Does that make any sense to anybody? Are we supposed to believe that this thing just sort of drifted off course? Uh, For those who don't know, China is our adversary. And we're being, I understand that from an intelligence point of view, we have to be, we have to be somewhat uh, careful about what we say because we don't want to reveal what we know. I get that. But why is the thing still floating? Why did not we pull that thing down? We don't have to shoot it down. We could bring it down. I'm sure that there's some contraption they could come up with. Some sort of a hook. It could be fastened to the back of a plane. Maybe send up a Goodyear blimp. Maybe that might be too high. But we must be able to do something. And we're just letting it float across the country, taking pictures as it goes along. We don't know what kind of pictures. They could be Polaroids. They could be 4K, 4K 1080p. Maybe they just want to do their own version of, you know, uh, Eyes Across America. You know, that TV show that comes on PBS where there's no narration. It just floats over cities. Beautiful pictures, by the way. Maybe, Maybe China wants some of those. Or maybe they're taking infrared pictures. Could be. Maybe they're trying to map out where our silos are. We don't know. And I don't think that the American intelligence knows either all the more reason to bring these things down. There's no reason, logically, that I could think of for us not to bring those things down right where they are. Don't let them go any farther, and we should inspect exactly what's what kind of surveillance. I mean, it's not that difficult. It's really not that difficult to pull this thing down. It's not moving at an incredibly high speed. Uh, so... What else is going on in the world? So Hunter Biden admitted that the laptop was his, but now he says that it has been weaponized. It has been weaponized. And I think he's targeting the the shop owner where he took the laptop, the man that's blind. I think he's legally blind. And uh, so now I guess that's that's the position you take when someone calls you out for doing illegal behavior Uh, If they do that, they're weaponizing their knowledge of you. So now everything is weaponized. Hey, how about this? You were doing a lot of nefarious things, Hunter. Snorting cocaine on the back of a crack of a a hooker. Or maybe a girlfriend. We don't know. Selling secrets, perhaps. We don't know. Uh, You're the one that left the laptop there, my friend. And it's such a non-issue, too, really. I mean, I've never been except for the fact that it was, he was exposed and that the media covered it up. There's really nothing there for me. I mean I'm not gonna sit in judgment of this guy and say, oh you know Hunter Biden, what a bad guy. I mean consider consider the you know the old adage the apple doesn't far, fall far from the tree. So his behavior doesn't surprise me. What surprises me is that the media was so intent on covering it up, So that it wouldn't adversely affect Joe Biden's election chances. That's what bothered me about it. Because you know damn well that if there was any kind of scandal of this magnitude regarding the Trump kids, Ivanka, I mean, come on, or or, or the two sons, they would have been all over it. Like jelly on peanut butter, you know. They They would have brought the whole dynasty down. But they did the exact opposite. And that just shows the news media today in America has been completely compromised. It's not even it's not even a question anymore. I keep writing these blogs on my website, jimwatkins1.com, where I say, oh, you know, the, there it is. The media's at it again. I, I shouldn't be surprised by it anymore. I, I really shouldn't be surprised. I watch it every night. I must be a sadomasochist. I must be a masochist. I must like pain. Because every time I see David Muir spew another spin, I, I I get angry and I get frustrated because I know that he's doing it deliberately. Uh, and it's also obfuscation because it's it's what they don't report. As Case in point, Hunter Biden. They didn't want to report it. There's a new article out today. So you don't know this because it hasn't been reported, but apparently we went to Russia... Sometime in January. And we said look. We'll give you 20% of Ukraine. If you just stop the fighting. That's the story. Not a well known story. But that is the story. According to Erdogan. Our tanks that are being sent over there. All it's going to do is prolong the war. It's not going to make any difference. It could lead to a NATO war. We don't know. But. So far, no one seems to be talking about peace except for Donald Trump. Although I did find that, if that's true, that the United States did offer Russia a way out. But Zelensky of Ukraine said, no, we want Crimea back. We want the the Donetsk region. and, And we are not giving in. And he's willing to drag all of NATO with him into this fight, even though he's not even part of NATO. That's the weird part. I mean, obviously we don't like what we what we saw. Russia is brutal, but this is war. War is brutal. I mean, you know, it's like a, that movie Apocalypse Now with Marlon Brando, his character. Walt Kurtz. You know, you must make, you know, terror your friend. When you fight against an enemy, you need to be brutal. You need to embrace your brutality. And that's what essentially... That's what shows strength. And that's been the code of honor for as long as man has been fighting. You show brute strength, you stop your enemy in their tracks, and the war ends. But what we do is we slowly give Zelensky the tools he needs to fight another day. And of course, Zelensky wants them. But is this thing going to just continue? We don't know. What we do know is that the man behind the scenes is barely cognizant. Barely cognizant. And you saw that clip the other day where he's trying to give uh, his self-adulation about how many women he has in administration. What did he say? I have half the women in my administration are women. That's what he said. Website is jimwatkins1.com. The name of the program is Speaking Out. And we will continue, if you want to email me, realjimwatkins1 at gmail.com, realjimwatkins1 at gmail.com. And when we come back, uh, a little bit of good news about America's pursuit of globalism and how maybe Biden is making some, some good decisions about globalism. And there's an interesting perspective on it, too and we'll continue to share that. You're listening to Speaking Out. I'm your host, Jim Watkins, and we will continue. Welcome back to Speaking Out. I'm your host, Jim Watkins. My website, uh, jimwatkins1.com. That's just the number one. Scandal would be enormous. Pfizer director worried about vax-induced menstrual irregularities. Did you hear about this? So Project Barrett is on Thursday, released a new segment of undercover footage of Pfizer's... Director Jordan Walker, he is the Director of Research and Development at Pfizer within the company's mRNA operation, and he was caught on tape expressing concerns over how the COVID-19 vaccine may be affecting women's reproductive health. Quote, there is something irregular about the menstrual cycles, so people will have to investigate that down the line. That's what Walker told an undercover journalist he thought was he was on a date with. Quote, the COVID vaccine shouldn't be interfering with the menstrual cycles, he said. So we really don't know, he added. Again, this is the the director of research and development at Pfizer. Okay, so I want to back up here because during the time when we had the pandemic and everybody, it was fog, it was nobody. This was back in when we were all told, don't touch anything, take the vaccine, take the vaccine. This is a, a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Remember this. And and I know that a lot of people like me had the same experience with other family members. Particularly if you had elderly family members. And I'm not sliding anybody because we all acted what we thought was in the best interest of our safety. Partly because we were being uh, given a bunch of lies by people that we're supposed to be able to trust. Namely, our medical doctors and our pharma folks supposedly but that's not what happened what ended up happening is that people who did not want to take the vaccine were villainized they were marginalized they were told that they were being irresponsible that they were a danger they were a threat we saw all of these videos all of these movie stars on tv every day every night for months on end get the vax get the vax Biden. Every other word that came out of his mouth was "get the vax," but there were reports that were somehow getting through, and I and I know this because uh, websites like PJ Media and Zero Hedge, Just the News with John Solomon, and there were a few others, The Epic Times. They had the the testicular vertitude to, or the courage really, to print things that may have been discarded as fake news. Maybe couldn't spread it on Twitter because Twitter would knock it down. I know my my own experiences on my blog, I would repost a lot of the articles that were coming out that mainstream media was ignoring. And one of those stories was that for younger people in the age group of 30, 40 years old women, women that they were reporting menstrual cramps and Stillbirths and uh, self-induced, auto-induced abortions. They would lose their children in vitro. And if you brought it up with anyone that didn't know about it, they they would point their finger at you and they would say, you are an evil person. That is not true. You're simply trying to scare young people from getting the vaccine, young women. And I would always argue say, well, you know, the the vaccine vaccine, it's new, it's relative. The chances of a thirty year old getting COVID nineteen is less than ninety-nine point seven percent. What's the issue? Well, the argument was, oh, well, they can carry the vac- they can carry the virus and give it to somebody else. They might not get sick and they'll get somebody else sick. Which, by the way, is a scientific in- impossibility because in order for you to pass on uh, an infection to someone else, you also have to have signs that you're infected. That's how the virus spreads from person to person. Unless, of course, you just French kiss someone and then turned around and French kissed your grandfather or your uncle. But short of actually being sick from COVID, it's almost impossible to give to another person. That we know. So this, all this hype about people who were not vaccinated somehow posed a threat as carriers... Was, was being pushed by Fauci and others from the NIH and from the Washington Task Force. And here we have brought uh, Project Veritas on Thursday releasing a new segment of undercover footage showing Pfizer Director Jordan Walker. Jordan Walker, the Director of Research and Development at Pfizer, saying on tape, yeah, we have these irregularities about menstrual cycles that are coming after people take our vaccine shots. What do we do? What do we do? This is, this is what I'm talking about. And, and by the way, this story will still not make it on the mainstream. They will still not report it, even though we have the R&D director on video saying the very thing that I'm telling you, which is Pfizer knew early on that their vaccines would cause problems for women's reproductive health, which means that they knowingly were distributing and promoting a vaccine that could cause women to lose the ability, possibly, of having children. Now, if that's not infanticide or a desire to eliminate your own species, I don't know what is. All driven by profit. I want you to wrap your head around that for just a moment here. You are living in a society where an industry—it's highly regulated, to be sure—but it's also highly profitable, driven by the profit motive—to knowingly administer uh, an experimental vaccine to prevent you from getting sick from a virus that only has a ninety-nine point seven percent rate—a point three percent chance of you getting sick but they're willing to put your reproductive health at risk. You know, they all talk about reproductive health and how they have NGOs all around the world are all talking about reproductive health. Reproductive health is another word for abortion. And I'm not saying that that's what Pfizer's intent was. I'm just saying that they didn't care. It was more important for them to keep the narrative going that the vaccines were not dangerous at all. Doesn't it make you sick? He even said, this This Walker guy, he said that the scale of the scandal would be enormous. Well, you know what? He's wrong. Because there are still too many people who are in our society that would be willing to keep their head you know, in the sand. They don't want to know. They don't want to know that their government is capable of doing what I've just told you that our government is capable of doing. And I'm vindicated, but it doesn't matter to me because... I, uh, the, the, the silver lining is that some people that I know that fit that demographic in the 25 to 40 year range, women, they refuse to take the vaccine. And I'm glad, I'm glad that they did because in hindsight, now we know the truth and these guys can't be trusted. This, this is what I'm trying to point out to you is that we want to be able to trust our doctor. I want to be able to trust my doctor. So when I go in and see my doctor and I ask them a question, they're going to give me a straight answer about something. They're not going to be worried about losing their job like they are in California. They're not going to be worried about losing their license or getting penalized because they gave me information that was in the best interest of my health. That's what I expect from my doctor. But I can't expect that now because that doctor has been compromised by the healthcare industry, which has been compromised by profit. And it's not a surprise. I mean, everybody's got to make a buck. We know they make a lot of money. We know the pharmaceutical Companies make billions and billions of dollars. But if that's what's driving the healthcare industry, then it's bad news for the rest of us. Indeed, it's almost suicidal. I'm Jim Watkins. You're listening to Speaking Out. We'll continue. If you've got a comment, email me, realjimwatkins1 at gmail.com, realjimwatkins1 at at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Speaking Out podcast and radio show. Jim Watkins here. It's always good to... Be here and go over some of the big news and the in the news, uh, and and give you my opinion. My opinion is based on a whole lot of things. Number one is I'm a conservative. Uh, I wasn't always a conservative. I was actually I would consider myself a a John Kennedy Democrat, really. For many years, like many people, I, I you know, as, as simple as it sounds. Being a Democrat just sounded nicer. Like when you were a Democrat, it's like, oh yeah, he's a Democrat. Everybody likes Democrats. They're, they're good people. They like to help the poor. They, they're for workers' rights, and uh, you know, they they believe in uh, you know. But the thing is that what has happened in the Democratic Party, it has moved away from one very important um, principle, which is the importance of family. Now, I was fortunate enough in my life to have two parents who loved me pretty well. But they didn't uh, stay together. And the conflict that erupted because of of their divorce or their separation had a hugely negative impact on a lot of people in my family. And I saw that also happen with others. So by that by that tragedy of their separation, I learned that family is really the most important thing in a person's life growing up. And most often when you see that people are having challenges in their life whether it's personal challenges whether it's addiction issues whether it's violence issues whether it's all kinds of a host of emotional issues what you'll find is the common denominator is a lack of family structure one or the other parent wasn't there and uh, and it has an effect I think the you know they brought up this point with this a uh, young guy who got shot, you know, back in January in Memphis. And the uh, the fact is is that that, fa- that guy didn't have a father, or his father wasn't at home. Now he had a stepdad. And in almost every case where you see these, I'm not saying it's always the source of, of a problem with a human being, but so much that we get from the home. And the Democrats seem to move away, Uh, You know, when they stopped having like you couldn't have father and daughter night, you know, the dance they used to do in high school back when I was a kid, you know, they'd have father daughter night or they'd have take your kid to work day or they would have a number of of things. They weren't they weren't like nationally recognized, but they were cultural. And they reflected an appreciation for family, and the importance of the relationship between a dad. I mean, I can't think of anything more empowering than a father taking his daughter to work. Show him, show, him, or, or for that matter, his son. It doesn't have to be exclusive to one or the other. But it was a great idea. But until somebody said, "Oh yeah," but what about daughters that don't have fathers? And then they ended it. And then they started ending all these things. You know, you can't have Christmas parties because not everybody believes in Jesus. Or, you know, you can't have Halloween because it might offend someone who doesn't want to have Halloween. Or, or they, they, It just seemed like the Democrats became more and more advocates uh, for non family, proto families, uh, and then worried too much about how other people would react. Like people would just break down in tears if they didn't have the right, you know, perfect nuclear family. And so they just eliminated the importance of the nuclear family. And they uh, diminished the importance of it. And they said that the uh, nuclear family was was some sort of white supremacist notion that is being pushed upon people of color. And that they don't fit in. And that that should not be the standard by which we uphold in in our society. I mean, isn't that ridiculous? I mean, can't you see how ridiculous that notion is? Oh, not everybody has a family, so not everybody can celebrate family. Um, You know, it was the same philosophy, really, if you think about it. It was the same philosophy they had, and I grew up in the L.A. Unified School District, so I know this to be true, where they insisted on busing people from poor neighborhoods into wealthy, affluent neighborhoods to give those people a taste of what life looks like on the other side of the fence. And then they would take the children from affluent neighborhoods and bust them to poor neighborhoods where they would be exposed to criminality and all the things that are inherent in a, an impoverished neighborhood. And what did that do for anybody? It created a little bit of a conflict, didn't it? Now, did it inspire some kids? maybe from poor neighborhoods oh wow you know maybe I can be rich maybe I can grow up someday and be like that uh, probably let's hope so let's hope so but uh, it kind of didn't it really kind of didn't what it did what it did was it took people from two different cultures and said here we're gonna put you together unnaturally and you work it out and then that's where you have the conflicts, the race struggles. Now, me personally, I didn't have that problem. I was in a poor neighborhood. I didn't get bused. At that, at that period during the mid-70s, I guess it wasn't a high priority yet. Uh, but for me, it was a challenge going to school because I knew I was going to face some sort of discrimination. As a white kid going to... Uh, primarily in my younger years, African-American schools, Mexican, Filipino, Latino. We didn't call them Latinos back then. We called them Mexicans. Spanish. And I didn't call them Hispanic either. I had a Latin friend of mine tell me, I don't want to be associated with a race whose name contains the word panic. You know. So there's all these social experiments that that the Democratic Party became a part of. And, um, and it just got too far for me. They started representing things that, di- that I didn't represent. Um, and now everything's crazy with this wokeism. I mean, they have, they have gone completely off the scale, the frequency. Uh, it, it, what, what used to be left now, I don't even know if there's what's beyond left. I mean, left used to be just political, now it's sociological, everything is about justice. I read a report the other day that journalism schools and Harvard and elsewhere are now dissuading people to dis, dis, not use objective journalism. That journalism serves one purpose. One purpose alone, which is to advocate for social justice. That is the purpose of journalism. It's not unlike Xi thought, really. Xi Jinping, his, he has said that In China, the sole purpose of news media and the Internet is to reinforce the party's positive contributions to society. That anything that gets between that is anti-China, anti-people, and should be eliminated. And that's exactly what we're seeing going on here. That anything that is contrary to the idea that the government is there to help you and to provide for you, and to keep you safe. Anything that that conflicts with that narrative is considered hate speech. So if the government takes sides on a particular social issue, let's say, for example, transgender bathrooms in North Carolina, if the government adopts a position that there should be transgender bathrooms, despite what the community might say about it, then if you're against it, you are a bigot. You are a transphobe. You are against the system. And the Democrats have adopted this policy now because they have control the advocacy groups, LGBTQ, BLT, CRT, and. They control now the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party placates to these fringe advocacy groups because their voices are very unified and they're very... Potent. the advocacy structure of the lgbtq organization the national members are so powerful now that they're actually threatening it's almost like when jesse jackson back in the the 80s and he would he would go to a toyota dealership and he would say hey you know we noticed that uh, you're not selling very many cars to black folk why is that and they would say, well, you know, because uh, we have to qualify people based on on their, their income level or their debt to, you know, what's that, uh, income to debt ratio, which is a, a smart way of doing business because you don't want to give a $30,000 car to somebody who is going to default on a loan within six months. So they would qualify people. They look at their rating scores. They don't look at the skin color. But it just so happens that in that particular area of Chicago the Rainbow Push Coalition, you might remember. Uh, If they weren't selling enough cars to black people, Jesse Jackson could get on TV that night and make a big stink about it. And that's what he would do. And he would extort these companies into being lenient. And he would do it under the guise of helping black people. Well, You know, there's still defaults and everything else, and the company would lose a little bit of money. But at least they weren't Racist. And that's exactly what the LGBTQ community is doing now. That's exactly what ESG is about. All of these fringe groups that are out there pushing climate activism, vegan activism, and they're extorting companies into bowing and our Democratic Party. And this is what we see happening in the United States. And whether it's big tech or people who work for big tech that are woke, they're going to use every tool they have in the toolbox to push their agenda and they do it now through extortion and they do it by silencing the opposition and i think dennis prager brought up a good point yesterday on his talk show about this little boy that was forced to be in a an lgbtq pride march and he didn't want to do it but they forced him and this is where we're headed now where you not only have to Agree with the policies of advocacy. But you have to support them openly. And if you don't support them openly, then you must be an extremist. Isn't that interesting how that works? And that's the world we live in today, folks. And I don't like it. So my goal is to try to wake you up. Speak out. Speak out against the establishment to protect our our freedoms and our liberties. And that's what this program is all about. Liberty, freedom the right to be left alone. I'm Jim Watkins, and you're listening to Speaking Out. Welcome back. It is Speaking Out. Jim Watkins here. I want to go to the website. I have favorite websites. Do you have favorite websites that you love? You know, I know that a lot of websites, they work better on the big screen, but I like to scroll. Are you a scroller? Do you like Instagram? Preferred over, say, what else is out there? Uh, Snapchat, kids use Snapchat because they think that that it doesn't save what they what they do. And I say, you think it doesn't save what you do? Are you crazy? Where do you think? All that it is, of course, it's saved. Nothing is unsaved. I guarantee you. Uh, I like my favorite website. I think it's a, it's a kind of a cool website because it pulls in all the news from I can pick from over over thirty different. Other websites or news organizations, and they all get aggregated into one called conservative news. Probably see that on Apple or in the Apple store or the Android store. But my favorite news site, just to get myself upset, you know, when I want to get myself all riled up, is uh, between Breitbart or PJmedia.com. Uh, headline today, for example, this will really get you riled up. America is suffering from an infection of Karens. That's funny. Uh, written by uh, Lincoln Brown, who's one of my favorites. They've got good writers over there. Yeah, he's right. He, basically, the premise of his article is that there's a very narrow demographic of, of people, notably Karens, uh, who are sticking their nose where it doesn't belong. Their entire... Philosophy of Karen's. And these are older women who live sheltered lives and they don't have the same responsibilities as a lot of other people. So they have time on their hands and everything is driven by emotion. And if you're ever watching television with somebody who's into, say, Ellen or she's gone, but you know, Kelly Clarkson, and they have an emotional story about some woman or some person or some kid who's struggling. And they're always either struggling with getting bullied or they're poor or there's something that they're having to overcome, some challenge. And it's always very tear jerky. And it tugs on the, the heartstrings of these women. So in, in the, in the care, care in mind, the world should never be challenging. The world should never be difficult. No one should ever experience pain. Young children should go up free of fear of any kind of pain or any kind of discomfort, sickness. God forbid they get a runny nose. Uh, And and they think that the entire world needs to run like that. Like that adults can't get their feelings hurt. Uh, Somebody wants to put a ring in the nose. You can't dare tell that person, oh, that looks funny. Because, you know, you're offending them. And you can't offend them. And that's the the problem is that, that these women or people, people that have that mindset, they're not necessarily women, but just people in general that, that want to live in a completely safe world where no no bruises, no cuts, nothing. They just want everything to be perfect. But people don't learn anything in that environment. If you're if if you're constantly looking for a safe zone because you're worried about being offended. Or somebody making fun of you, and you can't handle it, and you, you might succumb to self-harm. That's a new a new term they've just come up with, self-harm. You know, that's one of the drivers behind transgenderism. Well, the statistics show that people who suffer from uh, dysphoria, if they're not allowed to continue with their affirmations, then they run a higher risk than others, a six, six times higher risk of, of suicide. And then this is a terrible burden to put on a parent because the parent doesn't know anything. They're just being given a data point, point. and then they run with it. They say, "Oh, I, I've got to let my kid do what he wants to do." Or he's gonna, I mean, that talk about extortion. You know, anybody who's ever had a kid, uh, and you've come from the rough and tumble like me, you know, your kids all the time. I'm gonna kill my, I'm gonna. I'm gonna kill myself if I don't get what I want. And the only appropriate response is you get to them and you say, look, you can't use that against me and take them through the process. Do you know what you would do to me if you did that? Can you live with that? Is that how much you love me, that you would be willing to put me through that kind of pain? But that's not what people do. Today's world, younger people who have children or older people who think they can still be parents, oh, we can't let people suffer of what I was alluding to before, you know, they, they replaced merit with special achievement awards. That's all. So I like PJ media. They seem to reflect my views. And unfortunately we live in a world now where we tend to draw ourselves to those things that echo our own point of view. So one of the great successes behind Rush Limbaugh was that he said, what a lot of people were thinking. And that was unprecedented in radio back then in the 80s and 90s because most people would come on and they'd have these, you know, it was very structured environment, much like TV is today. You have a script, you stick to the script, uh, you got to have fair balance, fair and balanced. But at the end of the day, everybody is talking so protectively about what they're saying because they're afraid that they're going to offend someone. And so the truth never gets spoken. So woke is all about protecting feelings of people who might get offended because you don't agree with their point of view. And what it's ultimately has created is an entire society of people who are afraid to speak. Either for offending someone else or for themselves being offended. And so we live in a world today where people are basically afraid to speak. And it's by design... You know, you can't go against the narrative. If we're going to talk about Ukraine, you've got to be on the, the side of Ukraine. If we're going to talk about trans, trans or LGBT, you got to be on the side of the victim. And then what ends up happening is that people just don't talk anymore. And you've seen this. You know, you'll be at a party or you'll be at a function with other people. Nine times out of ten, somebody will be looking at their smartphone because it means that they don't have to engage. They don't have to run the risk of offending someone They'd rather share a meme that you could laugh at But then you have to be careful You have to be careful that you don't show them the wrong meme So it has to be non-political, non-racial, non-gender Non-non-non non non, non, non. We live in a world of nons It's a non-world really A world where, where nothing really matters Except that everybody just agrees with each other That's a sad world to be in. Is it any wonder why so many people are taking antidepressants? Jim Watkins, the website, jimwatkins1.com. Thanks for joining me here on Speaking Out, and I'll see you again.